Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Munoz was about to give birth to her fifth child when she decided to follow her passion and start her own business. Spotting a gap in the market for well-made children's clothes at an affordable price point, Celia left behind her career as a headhunter and in 2013 launched children's wear brand La Coqueta. Handmade in Spain, the designs mix traditional timeless silhouettes with chic and contemporary twists. Famously worn by Prince Louis, the brand is a global success with customers as far-reaching as Brazil and South Korea. Celia, welcome to your Sherlock success story. Thank you very much. We are sitting here in your Hampstead store on a rather rainy and grey day, but it is really lovely to be here. I'm surrounded by the most beautiful children's clothes. I was also just saying, it's making me very broody, which as mother of five, you clearly know feeling only too well well it's never too late well we'll come to that but let's talk about your life before you started La Coqueta talk to us about your career where did your career start so I am a psychologist by training so I studied psychology and I specialized in psychogerontology so elderly people so I did something completely different something I've never heard of before (laughs) yes and when I finished at uni and you were at university in Spain? I was at the University of Granada in the south of Spain. And I used to visit an Anglo-Saxon country since the age of uh, 16. And I loved London. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, it would be a really nice opportunity to finish my studies and maybe do a master's in the UK. And I came to London originally for a year. And I am still here. <laughs> really? And you were what age when you came here? I was 23. So you came yeah. to London. Yeah. And what did you do when you got here? When I first got here, I started working as an assistant psychologist. I thought that was the career path that I was going to go for. But, you know, I had a passion for sales and I got into headhunting totally by accident in a way. And I ended up working for a big headhunting firm for eight years until I met my husband and I had my children. And your husband is from London? No, he's Dutch. Right. So you met your husband. You got married. You've got a lot of children, which, you know, is obviously an intrinsic part of your business and and your life with so many to manage. Yes. What age did you have your first child? So I was 30. And you had all your children before you started your business. Talk to us about what you were doing in between children. Did you work in between having children or did you take time off from headhunting and focus on having so many in so little time? So I stopped working when I had my first baby. The main reason for it, I had to travel quite a bit and I just felt that, you know, my husband travels quite a lot for work as well. And eventually we decided that, you know, somebody had to stay at home. But I found it very difficult. And after six months of having my first child, I decided to do a master's at King's in mental health. Right. It was probably a very good idea with five kids. Yeah, you really need that. <laughs> so I did that for a year. And you, you completed your master's whilst yes. having one young baby one at home. and two, yes. Okay. I did it part-time. So I used to go to uni in the morning and then in the afternoon I would play Lego with my babies. And then in the evenings, you know, I would study. 
And then what happened afterwards, I did a couple of placements in a couple of hospitals and I realized that actually I needed something a little bit more fun and a bit more balancing. I did one of my placements at Guy's Hospital at an eating disorder unit and coming back to, you know, toddlers at home, it just wasn't quite balancing. Mm. So I always loved fashion and I used to dress up my children in Spanish fashion and people were very complimentary about it. And then eventually I decided that's what I wanted to do. So as you know, you don't start a business on day one in a way, you know, when you open your shop, there is a lot of work before it. So, you know, just going back to your question, I had three children when I decided I finished my master's, I decided to start La Coqueta. And then I did two years of research before I opened my store. So by then, when I opened the store, I had five children. And had you always liked the idea of starting your own business? Had it been something that you toyed with over the years? Or was it just, I've got these children, people are stopping me on the streets, as you said, to ask you where things are from. There's a gap in the market here. Or had you always thought you might like to do something on your own? Well, the thing is, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial in my personal life and work. The idea of having your own business in your 20s, it was tempting, but I just wanted to work for a very big firm and get some really good training. And I think, you know, that idea really flourished when I had my first baby at the age of 30. And you talked about having an idea and then there being a couple of years before you opened your store doing research. Yes. What research did you do? So the first thing, I mean, I needed to know if I opened a shop, you know, if there was a need for the product that I wanted to offer. So it was very local in a way in terms of my research. So I took a sample of 150 people that I knew and people I didn't know. I did a quite a lot of questionnaires to find out about, you know, what their needs are. So you as mothers, a sample of mothers. Right. Yes. And then you surveyed them to ask them what they wanted, what, was what they wanted, you know, price points, where do they go, etc. Then did I, you do that in person as a focus group or did you email them? I did email them and then I interviewed them face to face. And then I used to go to stores that I felt were partly offering a similar need. And I used to speak to the people in the shops. I used to what, speak customers? to the customers. Right. Yes. And, you know, no, Nobody says no to a pregnant lady. So I made it up. I said I was doing a PhD and I needed to know. And and actually people were very, very helpful. Now, little did I know that all that research, when I opened my store, actually didn't help as much as I thought it would. Because obviously it's very different, you know. There is what people tell you and then actually what your experience is Mm -hmm. in real life. And then the other thing, I used those two years to actually meet my suppliers. So I must say my headhunting experience was incredibly useful because yes, sure. there is a lot of cold calling going mm-hmm. on and then meeting all of those suppliers. And talk to us about that process. Yes. You know, that's the hardest thing. It's the mm. thing that successful entrepreneurs are sort yes. of so guarded, quite rightly so. Yes. How did you find suppliers? You're obviously from Spain. You're half Spanish, half French. Is that right? Correct. But your clothes are all manufactured in in Spain. And where in Spain? And how did that whole process work? Well, it's not going to be any different (laughs) this time. There is a reason why people don't tell you about how they find their suppliers. And it's obviously because it's the gold of any Mm -hmm. business. So, you know, for La Coqueta, it's not going to be any different. But I think in general, as a process, I think it's really contacting people you've heard about, you know, really networking with people. I mean, people are incredibly helpful. I was lucky at the time Spain wasn't doing very well, going through a massive Mm -hmm. economic crisis. So actually, people were very keen to talk to me. And I think I was very lucky at the time, because in all honesty, when I was looking for these people, I was pregnant with my fifth child. I had no retail experience, no experience in fashion. She's not going to make it, so we might as well And I'm eternally grateful because I work with every single of them since, you know, for the past eight years. And they really believed in me. And in a way, I owe them, yeah, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So you're still working with the same suppliers now? I, I am still Amazing. working with them. I think they, they're excellent. I've learned greatly from them. They've learned a lot from me as well. And, and it feels like a real partnership. You know, they are like a, a second family. Mm. They're on my speed dial every morning. <laughs> Did you have any mentors that were guiding you along the way or specific people that you went to for advice? Was your husband advising you and by your side at that time? So 
for me, in terms of mentoring, I didn't have anybody initially, mainly because I was coming from a you know fairly academic background, and it took me a while to be able to talk about the fact that actually I just wanted to throw that out of the window and actually open a shop. There was something in me. I mean, it was terrifying to talk to my dad for the first time. He said, a shop? Are you opening a shop? And actually, for me, that's what I wanted to do. But it took me some time. So I kept it very secret. My husband works in finance. So, you know, he was extremely helpful at the very beginning because one of the things that he helped me greatly with, and I think that was, you know, the beginning of La Coqueta was really to do my own business plan, you know, to write a business plan. And that's something that I had never done before. So he kind of gave me the guidelines and off you go. I was there breastfeeding in a car, looking at people in every shop and try to ask some questions, gathering all the research, networking with people and filling in those questions and then he would review it and that's how it sounds like very familiar pattern I've definitely been there oh yes done that (laughs) I read a book once called the dummy's guide to starting a business and it said I think chapter eight was accounting it said if you've been clever enough to marry an accountant you can skip this chapter and I thought (laughs) well I was engaged I was like I've done something right over to you on this bit (laughs) I know that only too well you know if you really want to do something you just go and do it and sometimes it's just about having someone who tells you actually you know, why don't you try this and this and that? No, it's from uh, you know, yeah. there aren't that many finances involved at the very beginning. I think it's more really research and finding a really good product where there is a need. And then the finance, I think, comes afterwards. You've mentioned finance. Yes. Stock, funding. Mm-hmm. How did that work? Mm-hmm. Because obviously it's quite cost upfront to produce all these wonderful clothes. Yes. So it was a real gamble at the beginning. So La Coqueta is self-funded and was self-funded at the very beginning. One of the things that has always been with me is that in Spain, we have a saying, which is to not start the house by the roof. And by that, I mean, you start step by step and making sure that you don't do more than what you can afford. Mm -hmm. And I have always found that that on a personal level and professionally takes you a long way. You know, there's no point of doing something that you're not going to be able to do long term. And I think we just started with baby steps. So finding my suppliers and then producing very little and then seeing if there is a demand and then every season, you know, growing the collection as the sales grew. So you do what you can afford. Step by step. Exactly. Talk to us about the product design. You said that you've always loved fashion. Yes. Were you designing it from day one? Are you still designing it? Talk to me about that side of the business. Yes. It's one thing spotting a gap in the market. Yes. It's another actually being able to design clothes yes. for babies and children. Has that all come from you? Yes and no. So there's something that I think, you know, my customers really appreciate and it's my taste and sense of fashion. And there was no point for me at the very beginning to pretend something that I was not. You know, I never studied fashion design I can draw. So that's a good thing. And I still do my drawings. But the reality is that I worked with a fabulous team of professionals that were working in-house with my suppliers who actually helped me. Now, they did something totally different to what I wanted. So I learned about shapes and, you know, how to design shapes and materials with them. And then I added my aesthetics and really what I wanted to do. And that's how it grew. I did that for a year and a half. So I actually took private lessons for tailoring with one of my suppliers who actually is a very, very close friends now. And uh, that's how I learned. And once you learn and you can do it yourself, well, that's very enriching for the relationship. And what about the branding? Because that's remained pretty Mm. true, I think, since the beginning, hasn't it? You know, you're still very much the same brand as when you started. Yes. Who designed your branding? Where did the name come from? Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, La Coqueta means well-groomed. And I always had this idea about just... So can you be Una Coqueta? Yes, absolutely. Or Coquette in French as well. So I was looking for something that was easy to pronounce, unlike my surname. (laughs) (laughs) And just something that would be easy, that would resonate with, you know, more of a Mediterranean or Latino community, so Spanish-speaking countries... And also in Northern Europe. So I 
so that was a nice name. The branding comes from me. So that counter that you see in the shop, I bought it with my grandmother and my mother. The wallpaper as well, I chose it with them. So literally they came for a trip with me. Let's do this, you know, and it was a really fun thing. It was like decorating your own house. Mm. I wanted to have something that was fairly easy to replicate, but just looking a little bit like a candy store where my clothes, because they are very colorful, would just kind of stand out. Speak for themselves. Yes. And I think that has taken me a long way. And the actual brand design. Mm -hmm. So the brand design, I worked with a friend of mine who is an illustrator. La Coqueta was one of the first illustrations she did. And essentially, I told her, like, Coqueta, I would like to have two children drawing. And uh, I mean, it was fairly uncomplicated process. As easy as that. It's you a, make it sound so easy. No, but actually, it took probably a week. And it's funny, when you start your own business, if you're very creative, like I am, the first thing you think about is your logo and your business You've got card. an idea you know, what, of what, what it's going it to, to look like. Yeah. So I already knew that yeah. part. So you said to your father you wanted to open a shop. And yes. we're sitting in it right now in Hampstead. You're obviously from here. But was it easy to find? The answer is no. Okay. <laughs> so I had no idea on how to look for a shop, nor did my husband. And I didn't have friends then who worked in retail. So I literally had no clue. So what I decided to do, and please don't laugh, but I literally knocked at every single door asking the sales assistants if they could introduce me to their managers. I mean, I had no idea how a shop was run and then the owners and then speaking to them about how do you find a shop. And actually the local dry cleaner, who is a friend of mine, I told him, look, I know how this sounds, but I'd like to open a shop. Can you tell me how to open a shop? And he said, well, you know, I'm very busy. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I've been a customer for quite a long time. I'm sure you can give me some time. And he said, well, okay, can we meet at 7 a.m.? And we had a meeting at 7 a.m. in the morning, I remember, for three hours. And he run me through the process on how to look for a shop. So I contacted, you know, all of the landlords. They all told me no, because again, I was pregnant with my fifth child, you know, Hampstead mom, no business experience from a retail retail perspective. And that's it. And I was very lucky because luckily I speak very loudly. And so everybody could hear me in the street when I was looking for a shop. And there was a hairdresser here. And they said, oh, excuse me, I overheard you. You're looking for a shop. And I just said, yes. And I said, well, actually, do you want to come in? Let's have a chat. And they were looking to retire. They didn't want to tell anybody around. And that's how I got the shop. So I took over from them. And that was amazing I mean that was incredible and for you was creating a brand having a shop I mean from the first sort of question you answered it was about a shop so it was for you despite the birth of digital and where digital was you were very clear that it was bricks and mortar that you wanted to get into yes that's how ignorant I was (laughs) so yes I thought you know you just dive in and my dream was really to have a shop one single shop in London and have queues of people, you know, just buying my clothes. Little did I know, because obviously it's very different. You've been successful in a market that's so cluttered. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I so admire in your business. But there are a lot of women that give birth and think about launching a children's brand. Yes. And there's quite a high turnover of those businesses. Yes. You have bucked that trend path Mm -hmm. and you're still going after 11 years. What do you think it was that you did or created or put in place in those early days that have led to your success? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, one of the things I would say is that I was no different to any of these women. You know, I think it's very difficult. And to... you agree, right? It's a cluttered market. I mean, it is a cluttered market. And I do think that it's, uh, you know, my story is also very cliche. You develop great synergies. You're spending your life with children and dressing them and you feel, oh, maybe I can do this. I also think that you go through a process of reinvention, you know, when you find yourself with lots of children, it may not be as easy to go back to work. And one of the things that I would say that has allowed us to stand out, in my opinion, was to open a shop because I think people can come and feel mm-hmm. the product, mm-hmm. you know, and they're closer to the story, which sometimes it's harder to convey online if you don't have a massive team of people just telling that story. I mean, the first two years I worked in my shop, so I had my five children and I remember Flavia starting at school and in the afternoons they would spend all of the afternoons two square meters just playing
playing Lego whilst I was serving customers. And I think people really like that. Local moms, they thought, you know, great. I really like this story. And actually, all of the clothes were tried on on my children before they were put on sale. And because I had so many children, I had the right demographics at home to actually work out the right shapes. I've got taller children, bigger children, smaller children. So actually, it really helped me to create a brand that essentially was true to size and that adapted. You know, one of the things that people will tell you about La Coqueta is we have the right fit. So I think product is very important in terms of standing out. You know, without an amazing product, I think there's no demand. I think our fit is special. Obviously, I'm biased. You know, when you wear La Coqueta garment, you know it's La Coqueta. And then I think I've been very lucky. I started at the right time. I think maybe the market was less cluttered then. And I was able to make a name for myself quick enough so that we would become a point of reference for other people. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you know, you mentioned online. I actually started my online shop uh, just by accident, really, two weeks after I opened the store. And I still remember the first order that I landed that first month, which was £784 from Germany, (laughs) from someone I didn't know. And that allowed me to discover the power of online. And I thought, you know what? I'm onto something. And that's how I started branching out online, but also having the brick and mortar stores. And I felt that they were very complimentary. We'll come back to online. Yes. But let's talk a bit more about the price point. Because yes. from where I've been sitting, standing and watching, yes. it's really smart. Yes. And, you know, it is premium. There's no denying yes. it. But it's not out of reach. Yes. And there are some beautiful, beautiful Bonpoins and Marie Chantal's and higher and higher in this world. Beautiful brands, yes. Beautiful brands. Yes. Beautiful Spanish and French brands. But to me, you stand out as a brand that has really stayed true to that price point. Mm. And it's a step up from some of the bigger children's brands. But it, it's really sensible. Has that been a key part of your strategy? Absolutely. So for me, essentially, I try to translate. I think I'm a representative of my customer base. So whatever I like, I think my customers do like. And, you know, one of the things is price. I think children grow very quickly and uh, you don't want to spend a huge amount of money in clothes. I also think nowadays that topic is obviously different, but a lot more relevant. But you want really high quality hand-me-downs that can be passed on from one sibling to another, which is what I do, and then at a respectable price. And I think from the beginning, that was very much part of the strategy. It's children's clothes that are affordable. And I say affordable within brackets, because obviously, we're not super cheap either. But I felt that it was right for our customer base. And and we stayed true to that, because sometimes you can get a bit overly greedy. And you know, Let's not kid ourselves. All of these clothes are made in Spain. Quite a lot of them are handmade, so there's no secret. Our margins are tighter. So for us, volume is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the strategy of La Coqueta. And has the Spanish manufacture been a real selling point and the Spanish design and look and feel of the clothes? Absolutely. I think it has. I think that when I started, there was a bit of a revival of going back to European manufacturing. And one of the things that Spanish people do very well are clothes and yep. clothes for children. Yep. And, and I think that was very good at the time. What did you start with when you launched the collection? So right now it goes from newborn through to age... 10. Did you start with a much younger age yes. group? I imagine it's grown up as your children yes, have absolutely. too. And I'm interested to know what the future looks like. But tell us a bit about what the collection looked like when you started with how many pieces were there? What age was it targeted at? And was it your customer or was it you wanting the older ages? I think a bit of both. So I started a range from zero to six years. I didn't have like a newborn range. And for me, the priority was girls because I had my daughter Flavia and I just wanted to dress her. I mean, I was 
that shallow <laughs> in a way. So we all I wish I could come up with some sort of amazing explanation of why I did that. But actually, you know, Flavia was five and I thought, well, let me dress her. She's going to try everything on. And it is true that as my children grew older, I thought, oh, I can't really go and buy from competitors and I really want to do my own thing. And the brand grew with my children. Flavia is now 11. I still remember the time she told me she wanted to go to a shop called GAP and that just totally killed me. So I said, <laughs> absolutely not. We'll keep doing La Coqueta, but I didn't want to be that mother. So I stopped at 10 and I think for now it works really well. Okay. So at the moment it's not to 10 and that's what you're sticking with? For now, yes. Talk to me about boys versus girls because I, I had a girl before I had a boy and oh, yes. girls' clothes were easy and then I had a boy and I panicked and actually when I was pregnant I had to go and buy loads of boys' clothes just to sort of prove to myself that there were nice boys' clothes yes. out there and that all was not lost. Talk to me a little bit about the split in sales between girls and boys and do you have a lot of women that come in and go, oh, you sell fabulous things for boys, thank God. So we sell a lot more girls than boys, but that's also how we started the brand. You know, the collection for boys was very little when we started and uh, we've been growing organically. And uh, we feel that quite a lot of mothers, when they come into our stores, actually feel relieved yeah. <laughs> because it's simple looking, not overly expensive, very easy to wash. And that's what people look for. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about shoes. You yeah. launched with shoes. Why shoes as well? Surely that was just complicating things to start with shoes as well. It was. I mean, uh, space-wise, it's and your shoes great are for beautiful. your stockroom. I have to say, I am sitting here now looking at these Mary Janes and T-bars. And I mean, they are just... And the little ballet she's got, if my daughter was here now, she'd be drooling. They are heaven. But yes, surely that was just making life a bit more tricky. I didn't think about it like that. You know, for me, the original concept was really to sell the look. Basket size is obviously a KPI that is very relevant to us. I also thought there was a need for a shop mm. that essentially would sell the whole look. Mm. And it has proven right. People come to the shop and actually buy the whole look from what they wear on their head to their feet. And uh, dressing from feet up is, is actually very helpful to us. And let's talk about that. I mean, Bonpoint did that sort of famously, but I remember you doing it on your site in the early days and thinking how yes. clever it was, how you merchandise your products by looks on your website. Yes. And that always appealed to me. Do you think that's really helped your average order value go up? It has definitely helped increasing that basket size. It hasn't helped my knees because I've, I've actually done those looks myself for years and years. And you're literally on your knees really? for a couple of days. But it works very well. You know, people can visualize. And sometimes because we do combinations that are sometimes somehow unexpected, people need a little bit of help and a bit of a sure. prompting in yeah, a way. Sure. So it, it's a good way to experiment and tease your customer in a yeah. way with a product that maybe is slightly unexpected or a combination that is unexpected. I mean, it's essentially what Nada Porte are doing when we watch a video of a dress with the, you know, the shoes in the bag. Yes. Oh, it goes really well and you that, want that. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Let's go back to your website. Let's go yes. back to that order you yes. had from Germany yes. where you went, ka -ching, this is worth investing in. Talk to us a bit more about online. So you said it came within two weeks of launching the yes. store. 
what platform was that on? Did you have an agency? How, so you, the, you're laughing platform, in a sort of uneasy yes, way. It was a very painful process, actually. So the platform was PrestaShop. Have you ever heard that before? I, I actually no, haven't. I, I thought I'd heard <laughs> most of them. It's, a, I believe, a, a French online platform. If I may say that I do remember, I paid £3,000 for building my website. And I thought that was amazing value. And, and actually, it, it did the job with a few online orders coming in. That's it. You know, I paid off my website. So, I mean, it was very painful because I'm not particularly technical. And you're talking to someone who, before starting like Coquette, I never had social media account. I had a Nokia. My husband still has a Nokia. Um, <laughs> we just couldn't be bothered. And we didn't really understand it. But I did start all of my social media channels through La Coqueta and I discovered a new world, which actually I have found incredibly enriching. Mm -hmm. So I was wrong. But it was difficult to manage my website because it crashed all the time. And actually, you know, it's amazing what word of mouth does. Even in Germany, you know, with that lady, I started getting some online orders from Germany just like that. And obviously, if you can't support your website, then you have a problem. Yeah. So I started taking online orders, etc. So then after that, I became a, a lot more savvy. After you, re you rebuilt the site? A year and a half, I rebuilt the site. I actually met my MD through that and we've been working together ever since for the past five years. She started working with me as an e-commerce consultant. I mean, there was a new world out there that I was completely unaware of. And you have your two stores, you have Liberty, which we'll come to, and you have your online site. What percentage of your sales today is coming from your online business and is that growing? 65% and it's growing 40% year on year. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. And in terms of your customer base, I mean, your stores are in the UK only. What percentage of your online sales are coming from the UK? Half of it is coming from the UK okay. and the other half is coming from outside the UK, and which is shipping. fantastic. Yeah, amazing. Worldwide. And you're shipping globally. Yes. And do you feel any need to open stores in other countries or is online the way forward for you and the scalable way to grow? Do you know, I think time will tell. You never say no. I think at the moment, looking at the state of the high street, it's important to be cautious and actually, there is so much more that you can do online, you know, and the control that you have over it and the reach that you have, you know, in a shop, you need to wait for your customers to come in. Yeah. My retail manager would tell me off for saying that because she would say that, no, you know, you can do so much more, but actually <laughs> you're a lot more limited. And I presume with children's clothes, the return rates are a lot better than for women's clothes. So yeah. absolutely. You're in Liberty. Yes. So I need to just talk about wholesale yes. as a business model. You said that your margins are quite tight. Yes. You've got two stores you've got online. You've also got Liberty as a stockist where you're obviously selling wholesale. How do you make that work? I think that's a real challenge for people who want to create quality but have a reasonable price point and then obviously the margin gets squeezed. Then you throw wholesale into the mix and it can become impossible. Mm -hmm. How do you justify that? Well, I think you, you have to give and take. And I do think Liberty, I mean, they came to us and uh, I think that says a lot. They really wanted our product to be there for us. Yes, indeed, it was a consideration because our margins aren't huge. They're big enough for our business, obviously, to flourish. But uh, wholesale wasn't initially part of the strategy. But, you know, Liberty is a special place. They launched their new department for children's wear. It looked absolutely beautiful. And we were very charmed by it. And, you know, they've been very good to us. And it has really helped as a marketing tool as well, as a word of mouth. We are baby, the biggest selling brand uh, at Liberty. Gosh, and it's, uh, it's amazing. amazing. And, you know, I, I feel incredibly proud of that. As you should. All the best brands are stocked in Liberty. You talked about your retail manager and how you get people through the door or how you wait for them to come in. How do you get them to come in? What was your process? You opened here in Hampstead. What marketing activity did you turn on in those early days to get people through the door? I mean, I wouldn't use this as a business advice, but I used to go on walks around Hampstead with my children and drop leaflets and do the school runs in different schools and hand out balloons of La Coqueta proudly made in Spain, talk to women who I didn't know and just bringing people in. Because again, I knew very little about marketing. And uh, so it was more really what common sense told me and just building relationships and just being 
true to yourself, you know. It was built slowly, organically, but steadily, I think, mm -hmm. because our retention rate is quite high. So for me, what was always very important is that people really like what we do. And, you know, customer service in stores and online was of essence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making sure that you have the most amazing experience as a customer when you come into the store has always been and will always be a priority because it, it's all about that. And were you spending any money on marketing? Obviously, balloon production. Yes, balloon production. Were you production? spending any serious yes. money on marketing in those early days? Uh, and are no, you now? No, no, I wasn't because, well, A, I was far too scared. And again, I didn't know anything about it. And I wanted to do something that I knew. So it was more at the beginning, more focused on building your customer base through your source. But then you meet people, you work with people, and then they prove you wrong. And it's different now. Obviously, we invest a lot more on marketing online than we used to. But I think reasonably, I think for us, the most important thing is really having a really good team on e-commerce and take it from there. What does your team look like? The team looks really good, I have to say. Oh, <laughs> I'm very nice answer. And I am incredibly proud of that because it wasn't always the case. I mean, I spent the first few years by myself. My MD, who was the first employee of La Coqueta, and, you know, I had all of my friends say, what, why do you, are you sure that there's, and actually, yes, it was the best decision I ever did. But she always says, you know, I remember coming into your home office and you looking at the wall and that was me, you know, a table, a desk, my wall, the collection in front of me and then the shop. And actually now we're a team of 10 people in head office and then we have eight people in the stores. Okay. In the stores, plural. So mm -hmm. you opened here in Hampstead, mm -hmm. then came Notting Hill. Yes. How long later did Notting Hill come from launching this one? It was in 2013. So it came five years later and it just felt right. We had quite a big customer base in West London. And in North London, in a way, for people, as you know, you know, who live in the South or West London, it's a little bit out of reach and we wanted to expand. Let's go back to digital marketing. Let's talk influencers for a minute. Yeah. How much of a part of your strategy has that been? Do you work with a lot of talent online? Do you work with a lot of mothers? Do you gift? I think for people listening, yes. they'd be interested to know. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Especially for emerging businesses. How much do you invest in gifting? What do you get back on that? Yes. Has that worked for you? Is that something that you're focusing on? It is a difficult answer because I think the world has changed a lot and it's all about influences in a way, but then on the other way, it is not. And I do think for us, the primary focus is really our customer. So we want to make sure that our customers, you know, we take care of them and we have customers from all over. And for us, our primary objective is to actually reach out to them because we're so grateful that they come to us. So we do a lot of work with our own customers and our very good customers. In terms of reaching out, I mean, there are a few people that are friends of the brand that we feel they love the brand. So one of the things that I think we've been evolving as a brand is that we actually work only with people who really want to work with us. Because at the very beginning, you can fall into that trap of trying to just attract people who actually maybe don't like your brand or are not interested in your brand or actually are just not right for your brand. And I think with experience comes a lot more confidence. And now mm. we just work with people we want to work with. So true. It's got to be a two-way really, thing. Yeah. That really, really helps. And there is, you know, in the influencer world, I mean, as lovely as it is, sometimes for us, the gifting is taken as a business transaction. And I think that's really important that we're not Mother Teresa. And, you know, they are not Mother Teresa either and we all work together and the people who want to work as a partnership in that way they're always welcome yeah good advice <laughs> any other marketing advice you can share with people listening in terms of what's worked for you because you know for so many businesses they've got the product they now need to get it out there and that's the hard bit can you share any other tips? I'm not a marketeer. I can only say what worked for me. I think it's being true to yourself and being yourself is just incredibly important. There will be people who like you, people who don't like you, and that's life. The same as your product. You need to be prepared for rejection, but actually 
focus just on the people who really want to support you and want to buy your product, appreciate your product and appreciate what you do. Mm. Because actually that takes you a very long way. You know, the power of word of mouth and recommendations through people who love what you do. Focus actually, on those few early absolutely. customers that are going to become your, your yeah, people. Absolutely, yeah. and network with people. Talking about PR, it's often a big decision to make for young brands as to whether or not they invest in working with an external PR consultant agency or not. And it yes. can be quite a cost in the yes. early days. Is that something you did? Is that something you do now? So that is something that I did a year and a half after I started La Coqueta. And again, I had no idea about PR. I didn't know what that meant. And I met somebody here who told me, you know, you need PR. And that's how we started. I mean, we're working with a wonderful PR agency now who actually have become friends. And I think that my advice would be to work with people who really love what you do. They really get a feel for the product. They're generally You've got a blushing PR. Stand, but, stand but, but that's the reality. You know, if you don't have that relationship and you can't share your secrets, your fears, your ambitions with them, you know, there's no point. Mm -hmm. So make sure you choose the right people to work with. But for you, it's paid off. Yes, I do think it has paid off a lot. And what about you as an individual and as a commodity for the brand? You know, you are living your brand through your yes. five children have you sort of willingly and consciously used yourself to promote the business have people responded well to that do you know because yes, not everyone yes. wants to put themselves out there do yes they? no no it, it is very interesting because the friends who know me from a very long time they cannot believe that my Instagram account and, you know, how much I share in a way about my family. And it was particularly because I never had any social media and I actually don't have a particular genuine interest for it other than for La Coqueta. For me, what I want is for my customers to be able to know me. Mm. And because that's what I did in the shop. And I felt that the people who were coming here and left the shop were really happy and they really liked what they saw and they liked me and they liked what I stood for and my brand and my product. And that's what I'm trying to do online. And I think that's very positive. So in a way, you know, am I a commodity? Well, I think that's overly ambitious, I think. But yes, I do think I'm a very important part of the brand because mothers relate to my personal story and my personal tastes, particularly when it comes to interiors and traveling and clothes, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, we've got to talk a little bit about Prince Louis, the royal connection. You know, that can really catapult a business. You know, we've seen it numerous times. Have you felt the effects of Prince Louis looking gorgeous in your clothes? I mean, Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to talk about that very much in depth. You know, we value every single of our customers. And I think for us, privacy is very important. And the fact that people come into our stores and they just feel they don't need to, you know, we're not going to call the newspapers to talk about that. I can just say that when I saw the pictures on the press, you know, I was totally unaware and I felt immensely proud because sure. uh, I am yeah. a big fan of the royal family. But does it make a business? No. I do think what makes a business is your product, your values are, you know, your team, your ambition, and really that will to always keep offering, you know, what your customer wants. Does it help? It's great for publicity. Sometimes it is, definitely at the time. But as you know, the news of today is our old news it's tomorrow. Old news. But you've got to be pretty proud of those moments. I am I'm very proud. I'm sure the phone is ringing and things are flying off your website when mm. it happens. So, yeah. Anyway, credit to you if yes, the product wasn't. The Thank you. As special as it is, they wouldn't be wearing it, would they? Yeah. Talking about the product, what are the best sellers? What are the things that people come back for time and time again and that fly off the shelves? So for us, I mean, I would say that girls' dresses, it's definitely a category that for us performs really, really well. La Coqueta obviously means well-groomed. If you imagine a little girl with a cute little dress and a bow and her little Mary Janes, essentially that's the look that we sell. And we have really good basics as well. So although La Coqueta looks very smart from the outside, you can actually find quite good basics that are as washable as a Gap t-shirt in a way, but actually just happen to look really, really good and very practical. So we have people who come back for quite a lot of basics as well. I mean, our shoes obviously do 
very well. For me, when I started shoes, it was very important to offer shoes that had no logos or that they weren't overly uh, baroque looking in a way. (laughs) And I think we got it right. You know, our customers really appreciate that. So the focus is really on the overall look rather than on a particular item that is just going to stand up. It's more subtle. If you were ever thinking that silver and gold shoes were not something you wanted to see your children in, then they need to come and check out La Croquette's gold and silver Mary Janes because they totally prove that they can look as chic as navy blue. Do you know, I'm very much of your opinion. It took me a season to really, when I saw that, I thought my daughter will never wear that. But ultimately, you have to listen to your customer and little girls come through the door. The first thing they want is that of course you know, they do yeah and actually well, if you're going to give in are, those are the ones absolutely <laughs> there is a way to tone them down in a way and to just making oh I think they're chic, gorgeous so. tell me a little bit about your role in the business now obviously things have moved on since you were here with your children camped in the back yeah what are you focusing on now my role in a way hasn't changed as much I'm very involved in the business you know it's really nice to be part of the brand I think it's very difficult to be able to you know set the creative direction if you're not involved. So one of the things that have changed is obviously I don't work in the shop anymore. I come to the shops very often. And for me, it was very important then to learn how to run a shop, to know about stock take and to know about how to fold garments, how to help a customer, how to speak to a customer and to get a feedback, how to learn about visual merchandising. But eventually it was very clear to me that if I wanted to grow, I needed to focus on online as well but you know I'm the design department so people are generally surprised when they come in for interviews because they think that there may be three or four people and actually it's just my head and me in a way (laughs) I'm very involved with marketing and I work with a really good team in-house I go to the office every day and I just work from home when I'm designing essentially. So the photo shoots, for example, I'm the stylist. I set all of the creative direction. We shoot quite a lot. And I find that when you do it yourself from that perspective, if you do it well, there's no need to replace it no, in a way, quite. particularly as a business. I think that's very important to think that way. Whatever and you can do, don't have other people do it. Just have other people do what you can't do. In a yeah, way. good advice. And tell me, what does the future look like for La Coqueta? So maybe no more stores, maybe just, you know, double digit growth in digital. You're going to stay from 0 to 10. What are you really focusing on? Definitely the online growth is key. I think, uh, you know, it's very exciting to have the prospect of growing exponentially. And, you know, the world is such a big place and there is space for everybody. So I think that's very exciting. The fact that women are very promiscuous when it comes to shopping, you know, they go to one shop to the other, you know, they just keeping that interest on your customer and every season offering something that is going to make them come back. For me, that's very thrilling. Mm. I think in terms of a team, you know, we have a really good team at the moment. I think we'll probably be growing the team a little bit more. I think more on the online route, collaborations down the line. I think that's very exciting. But for us, it's really, you know, keep growing online, keep doing what we are doing well, improving what we can and obviously explore new horizons geographically. And how do you do it all? I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Five children and this business. I mean, your children are obviously a bit older now than when you started. So yes. maybe it gets easier, but it does. how get everyone will want to know how you're doing both and seemingly so well. So the answer is I don't do it all. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, you just need to keep your face straight and pretend you're doing it all, but actually you don't. You have 24 hours, you're very busy. I've always been very organized, so that has always really helped me. I'm very, very disciplined. I used to do taekwondo and I became a Spanish champion of taekwondo. And I trained briefly for the national team until my parents told me, you have to go to uni and uh, go back, you know, you had your fun. And the reality is that teaches you great discipline you know I'm being very resilient and I think that really really helps and then really very importantly you know I'm very lucky I have a lot of help at home I have a nanny who comes in from 12 30 to 7 30 and does 
all of the things that are very important to do in a house with as a mother children. <laughs> that your children will never remember you for, which is the cleaning, the cooking, the ironing, so that when I come back home or I pick them up at school, it's actually I'm there to do the fun stuff. And I think it's a privilege. So that's 12.30 till 7.30. Yes. What's happening in the morning? What does your morning look like? That's all because you've arrived this morning very early looking impeccable. What goes on in the morning? Are you on your own with five children getting them up into school? Well, would you say I looked impeccable when I first came in? Probably not. I had my trainers on. I did the school run this morning. So again, my husband travels quite a lot. So I can't rely on him every single day, although he's very involved with our family life. But essentially I wake up very early so 6.15 and everything runs like a clock one of the priorities for me was for them to grow very independently and really to be very active in terms of the house runnings my French side has really helped me on that you know you make your bed before you go down to uh, have your breakfast you do the toast you do that so we all help each other you know one of my children does the smoothie and, oh, and that's really helpful as yes. well I mean, a spinach smoothie yes <laughs> wow I'm failing really to nice. inspire me to get more organized but that helps okay are there big sacrifices as a working mother managing yes. a business and five children many i think but it doesn't feel like a sacrifice i think it's a phase in your life in your 20s you have very different priorities and i just don't have time to think about if i'm sacrificing or not i just do it you know what's really important for me it's my relationship with my husband and my family and making sure that we always make time for that so you know go on a date night every Friday. So you would know, you without say that fail. that's something you prioritize? For me, that is very, very important mm-hmm. because I think with five children, you know, they can take over and you sometimes need to make an effort mm-hmm. to actually, yes, it can take over partly, but you're still yourself and you can't forget mm-hmm. why they're here. And you need to be connecting because if you're not, that's going to filter all the way down. Absolutely. And I think that to me really helps mm-hmm. me. I so agree. Tell me what your favorite thing is about being a founder, owner, entrepreneur? It's the thrill of selling. I do love that thrill of a sale, getting to know your customer, charming your customer through your product, your story, and really trying to offer what they are looking for. I find that very thrilling, closing a sale. I find online pretty exciting, you know, all of the things, and it's actually very technical, and all of the Mm. things that you can do, I find that very thrilling. And lastly, I love the fact that I've got customers in South Korea, in uh, Brazil, you know, you name it, anywhere. And that never stops amazing me. Yeah. I think that's As really you say, great. that exponential opportunity is yes. so exciting. Yes, it's, it's also exciting. so challenging. Tell me, finally, for people listening that might be thinking of getting into the children's category, because it's a tough category to have long-term success in, I think, and to really get on a growth trajectory. What advice would you give to them? The most important thing, your product needs to be right. You need to offer a product that your customer is going to want and sell it at the right price. And it has always paid off, you know, never try and compromise on quality if you feel that that's going to upset your customer, because ultimately you are there because of them. And then the other piece of advice I would say is that actually don't be afraid. I know it's a highly populated market, but actually the pie is big enough for everybody. And uh, the fact that people such as La Coqueta and other brands are doing well, that, you know, means that you are very likely to do well as well. Well, I think that's the perfect place to end. Celia, thank you so much. I'm in awe of the fact that you are a mother of five. I'm sure people listening can tell I'm in awe of the fact that you're a mother of five. I just about cope with three. Your brand is beautiful. And I mean, God, it makes me want to have five. All these baby clothes. Thank you so much. I wish you every success in the years ahead. And I look forward to watching your growth in digital. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. That's it for today. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.